What's up, everyone? I'm Andrew Steinwald, and this is Zima Red. On this show, we speak with the users, founders, and creatives that are diving into the world of unique digital assets, also called non-fungible tokens. My guests today are Nate and Carolyn. They're the founders of the NFT minting platform, Mintbase. Mintbase allows anyone to set up a shop and start minting all types of NFTs, from tickets to art, game items, and now even music. We discuss everything, Nate's tech background, Carolyn's experience working in the German parliament, and of course, we dive really deep into Mintbase. What I really loved about our conversation was Nate and Carolyn's sincerity, just straight facts without all the hype. Nate and Carolyn are really building something special with a core focus on the users. Constant communication and user feedback acts as their North Star and guides them on what gets built. They say the single goal of your startup should be to build a product users love, and it looks like Mintbase is doing exactly that. Please enjoy my conversation with Nate and Carolyn. Nate and Carolyn, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to talk to you guys. And to get us started, I'd love to hear a little bit about your background. And uh, let's go with Nate first. Sure. Yeah, that's kind of a good way to start because we meet, we meet later in the story. So uh, really, really quick. Basically, I worked uh, with Nike for a while, kind of pushed them to overall Nike ID back in the day. And then I uh, ended up working for a fintech group that basically interacted with so you swipe your debit or credit card in starbucks and we'll give you fractional shares of publicly traded stock as a reward so go to starbucks and get a coffee at the end of the week we'll give you 0.0021 shares of starbucks stock so that kind of got me into the fintechy land and then i've been pretty much tied to the whole blockchain scene for a while and there was a, a time when everything spiked up in 2017 that i decided to sort of leave that world and, and go full into the blockchain land. So we've been at this for about a year and a half. I ended up winning a, a hackathon at DevCon 4 in Prague, and uh, they all told me that I should go to Berlin. And so this is where I met Kago. Yeah, so um, I used to work at uh, blockchain uh, at German Parliament, and I wrote speeches and um, wrote like papers on blockchain technology. So then I met uh, Nate at one of um, the lobby events, and then uh, I thought it was really interesting. And then we stayed in touch, and um, yeah, then I transitioned from working in German Parliament to Mintbase last year in June. So one year ago. Yep. I started working at Mintbase, so yeah, this is basically my background. Before that, I worked in ticketing for like a festival startup, so yeah. That's awesome. So yeah, Nate, you said that you worked for a startup that was working on basically the reward points for certain companies. They would give you fractionally shares of stock. That sounds totally crazy. Can you dive a little bit deeper into that? Yeah, uh, so I was actually the first hire at Bumped. They've raised over 19 million. They're still killing it. They're they're doing great. They're onboarding big brands. When I look at their splash page, I see brands like Starbucks that looks like they're starting to participate. It's a neat idea. And I got to see how the financial system works from the raw uh, tech side of it. If you guys aren't familiar, like think of how the process works and I might confuse you, but that's kind of the point of me confusing you is that it's confusing. So let's say someone who uh, wants a share of stock works through Robinhood. Robinhood becomes a, a broker dealer and they're a company that sort of interact between the customer, me and their company. And then Robinhood works with a clearing firm called Apex Clearing, which is a company that basically says you have three shares of stock because we say you do. So the, the customer actually is three, uh, two companies already removed from your share of stock. And then they also, Apex also deals with about 10 other companies behind the scenes to move your shares of stock around. So I got to see how they get moved around, how old that actual tech is. CSV files are still getting flown around um, and it's, uh, it's kind of a nightmare. I also got to work with Plaid pretty heavily. It's the swiping of the card and figuring out how incorrect some of that data actually is. It's just a nice start to be able to say, hey, I don't have to work with any of these companies and we can work directly with a settlement layer on blockchain. And this is where I got really interested in, in just removing these 40 comp companies you have to mess with to, uh, to interacting directly with a settlement layer. That's really cool. It's definitely bringing uh, kind of the old system into the 21st century. So it's really cool to see that you were involved in that. And Carolyn, you said that you worked for the German parliament. I'd love to hear more about that. So how I got into blockchain, that's probably where it all started. Um, so I worked for Fast Ticket, which is a music ticketing startup in London. 
And um, then I opened their headquarter here in Berlin. One of my clients, a festival promoter from a festival called Wilde Möhre, one day told me about like, yeah, you know, like blockchain, that's a really crazy world, like Ethereum, have you heard about it? It's like really like, that will be the future. In the future, there will be no ticketing companies anymore and no banks anymore. Like you really, like you should read about it. And then I was like, wow, really cool. So I started reading about it. And then back in 2018, I was looking for another job. And then I just found this um, job for a politician from the Free Democratic Party. He was the technology spokesman. And he, um, yeah, basically I saw the, uh, just the ad and applied for it. And then I got the job because I knew a little bit about blockchain. So yeah, I was writing speeches and um, other like parliamentary stuff, which is crazy because I'm not a developer. I'm, I'm kind of like, I'm from a ticketing business background and I got to see, or got to see like many things that are going wrong in parliament, you know, like, I mean, Back then, I really didn't know anything about blockchain and I wrote like all the speeches, all the papers, the worst like scam artists came <laughs> came and lobbied. Like I had to meet like those people from different blockchains, like um, I don't want to call any names, but yeah. <laughs> so uh, I got to see many people and obviously like I didn't know because I had no experience and luckily I met Nate. And It was a fascinating process yeah. to see like groups who you know did huge ICOs, made tons of money but never built a product. So you could see them starting to sweat. And so their solution wasn't to build the product, it seemed, because they still haven't launched even now. But you'd see them starting to lobby the politicians. Uh, I, I'm not sure how or why, but it might have saved their butt because, yeah, it's a it was a fascinating mess. And I, I went in, she brought me into a lot of discussions, and I was trying to explain, you know, what the beauty of all this stuff's about. We don't have to talk about it anymore. We can start using it and they not a lot of them liked my my input they preferred the uh the other groups well you didn't pay them enough money yeah that's the key <laughs> yeah basically like uh now i'm a bit um yeah it was really interesting to see how how it's working and how like like parliamentary stuff works but also a little bit frustrating because um yeah it's uh just like dominated by lobbyists and mm -hmm. by big companies who have a lot of money who try to like um impact so yeah interesting times that's awesome. That it's really cool to kind of see the other side and the, the governmental side, which I, I'm not aware of whatsoever. And yeah, definitely, I, I can see your frustration with working with the government because governments around the world are not known to be, uh, you know, really innovative and great at solving problems. But anyways, I'd love to hear a little bit about just what your guys' general views are on cryptocurrencies today. So like Bitcoin, Ethereum, and, and other crypto assets. Yeah, basically... Like I said, we started this discussion with like, I'm a technologist, like my, my big thing is I can't stand crappy technology. And I've always been kind of pushing as, as far as I can go with, with new stuff that's coming out that solves really cruddy problems. So I pushed uh, Nike to go full React, uh, get rid of their 10 year old code using jQuery, that's getting too deep. but. That was my big thing is I just couldn't deal with, with old stuff. So working with um, the clearing firms and all these other groups, I saw the same thing. It was just inefficient technology. So to me, at the end of the day, it's all about let's get rid of all these inefficiencies. We're basically throwing away the old model and creating a whole new one. We're starting from scratch and let's see how this goes. Whether that's going to be Ethereum at the end of the day, this is when we're talking about cryptocurrencies in general. I'm not sure. Um, whoever solves the problem the best and has the users there to use this stuff, that's where, we're, where we'll, we'll go. We've already started talking with some other chains. Near looks kind of interesting. I know Polkadot just launched, um, so we'll be keeping our eyes over there. But the Ethereum ecosystem has flipping evolved so much. It's really fascinating to see what's happened. I mean, literally, you look at our company Mintbase, it's not just Mintbase. It's like six or seven other blockchain companies all working inside my company so that's that's really what fascinates me about the ethereum ecosystem and also like giving um, power and control back to the value creators like nowadays yep. in our economic system um, for example if you take companies like airbnb um, the hosts like have to pay i don't know how much like 10 20 30 percent to airbnb but they are actually like creating the value of the host so what if you remove like those middlemen and you like don't have a settlement layer in between and the host can directly interact with the customer? So yeah. that's it, really fascinating 
And that's a huge, huge thing for us too, is that every, so basically the way you look at our system, it's every person basically deploys their own DAP, their own contract. And if you look at every single contract, there's a function that says owner of, who is the owner of that function uh, of that contract? It is every one of our artists. So an artist comes on, they deploy a contract or a conference creator or anyone, they are literally the owners. When you go to a lot of these other platforms, it's just check out who the, who the owner of that contract is. That's awesome. So I, I'm sure most people listening probably already know this, but could you explain to me what is Mintbase? Yeah, um, so we are uh, NFT um, creation, but also ticketing tool. Think of us like um, a platform where you can create your own store and you can sell your services or your products. Like we are currently used by um, crypto artists, they sell their art there, but we are also used by um, conference promoters. Um, like we did ticketing for um, NFT New York City, now we're doing ticketing for a conference in Berlin called DEPCON. Yeah, we enable like all those groups to um, to make money, to... Yep. Uh, but we're not, a, we're not a ticketing company. So we're a ticketing company, but we're not a ticketing company. We're, we're kind of like uh, the Amazon for digital assets. We enable anyone to create their own store, deploy the store, declare what these tokens are for, and then the tokens get moved out throughout the ecosystem and the value of those will evolve over time. Um, they can, and so uh, tickets is just a great entry strategy to figure out, okay, we understand how this works. Um, like Amazon's go to market was to go with books because books were lightweight, you could, they could travel easily, um, you could bang them up, it just made sense. For us, ticketing was kind of that because you can, understand the digital and the physical transition but also that interoperable point so us doing dapcon is where we're going to show off what this actually means so not only is that ticket going to get you into the conference but it's also maybe going to get you a week at a co-working space in berlin uh, it might also give you voting rights to vote on which speaker is doing the best or which one should should you know whatever but also for um unitize like there's a conference coming up on the 6th of july and um, it's organized by the san francisco blockchain week and a block show which is like a group in in asia and we are providing the our tool so that um, the promoter can create nft tickets at the same time the nft tickets will give um, holders voting rights so who should speak at this event um, and this is really cool because you know like uh, it's not a one single use it's like a multi-use um, ticket so it gives you more and it's really like beautiful how it displays um, the interoperable aspect and it's also going to give you a 25 percent off of the uh, the <laughs> san, uh, francisco. san francisco blockchain week tickets so that they're expecting i think over 10,000 people to show up at that so it'll be uh a fun one. We're also deploying, we just literally deployed today a multi-minter store, which basically you as the contract deployer, now it's your own store, you can basically add a bunch of other addresses to also mint on your, your platform. So with Unitize, we'll be able to have the main person create their contract to give away the ticket, but they'll also have their sponsors come on and create their own uh, mint and have them deploy them to their people however they want. Maybe in their conference they uh, gather everyone's ETH address in the uh, in the chat area or, or however they want. It kind of distributes the uh, the labor. And the beautiful thing, sorry, one last thing to add is that um, like you can store your ticket on Fortmatic or the Trust Wallet or Coinbase Wallet, Argent, uh, Gnosis Safe, and that is for us like what really motivates us. We are working together with so many other companies, and that's what it should all be about. Like you know, yep. we have to grow together so that we can. Uh, attract more people from outside the blockchain scene. Yep. You get to choose whatever wallet you want. You, you get to choose what security level you want. Um, there's so many wallets out there and we get to move the assets around however they, they go. That's To me, that's, that's the hard part of what we're doing here. I really, really love your analogy of Amazon selling books and basically you guys kind of starting with the ticketing use case and then expanding from there. And it sounds like you guys are really evolving kind of the functionality of ticketing because as you said you could like vote on your favorite speaker and you can kind of get discounts here and there or whatnot and i think that that's really cool that you're you have this one item that has so many different use cases and so many different functions which is really really cool so could you take me through kind of the the flow of of if i want to create a ticket on mintbase or uh let's also let's do the ticketing example the flow of how that will work 
And then let's also do the flow of how it will work if I wanted to like mint some art. Sure. sure. So you as, a, as a, an event organizer, you deploy your own store. You basically go through the system. You do a quick signature. And you just create a store that basically says store name. Give it a ticker symbol, which uh, is like a token symbol. Or like if maybe you're listing it on NASDAQ, what would, what would that ticker symbol be? Maybe our store would be Mintbase Conference uh, with the MBC as, the, as that. Once the store is deployed, this is the most expensive part of the process. Uh, when gas is quite low, it can be $2 to deploy a store. When gas is quite high, as it's been lately, it can be $25 to deploy a store. So it really depends on what's going on there. Sorry, when you deploy a store, are you minting like all, let's say there's a thousand tickets. Are you minting all those thousand tickets right then when you deploy or like, how does that work? Nope. So first you deploy the store. Imagine this is like you're deploying your home. So maybe that's a bad one. Okay, you're deploying your foundation. Uh, so it's the it's the, your smart contract. As soon as you deploy it, whoever deploys it becomes the owner of that contract. Think of it as like... Um, so I'm the promoter of two festivals, of San Francisco Blockchain Week and of uh, Burning Man. So I deploy one contract, which is called Burning Man. And on this contract, I mint my tickets. Yeah. So once the store has been built, then you mint the tickets onto the store and you can uh, mint several different batches of, of tickets. So let's say the store has been deployed that gives you all your all your your tool sets that you need, like um, adding minters, uh, removing minters, embeddable mint. mint yeah. Feature. Yeah. Literally, like yeah. think of like the store deployation as like allowing you to do all these things it's all the base infrastructure yeah literally like that's just that's all the functions that says okay i as the owner can do x y and z i can do all these things and once you mint on that store then you can uh, mint several batches of tokens on that thing so let's say you have your if we're just doing ticketing maybe it's like vip tickets can have 15 with the same meta id and then general entry can have a different price and then you can have a speaker's badge that you only send out behind the scenes. So does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So let's say that I made the Andrew conference and then I, I uh, make my store and I then uh, mint a thousand Andrew conference tickets. And then could I also later down the road, let's say six months from now, like after the conference is over, I could say, hey, I had this store on Mintbase. I want to start making crypto art now. Could I just start making crypto art from that same conference or do I have to deploy a new store? It's up to you. I kind of look at it like uh, how you organize your folder directories, right? You have a folder for certain items on one thing, and then you have another folder for another. And you can deploy as many stores as you want. So let's say if it's advertising, let's say you're an ad agency that has numerous clients. Like maybe you want to deploy a store specifically for Nike, and then you want to deploy a store specifically for Samsung. Those all have different uh, meanings and different mints, and you don't want to move them around. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So in your opinion, what are the biggest potential use cases for NFTs? And I know you touch upon ticketing as being this great use case today, but you know, looking towards the future, what do you think are the biggest potential use cases? Oh my God, there's so many use cases, to be honest. Like literally you could like uh, do everything with it. You could like sell a shoe, um, like a physical shoe, like a Nike shoe, and then uh, pack like a NFT to it. Um, you could sell products and services like um, M. Lipti, one of our customers, he wants to sell his crypto skateboards on Mintbase as well, which means that um, it will be shipped to you at the same time, but you also have like the NFT as a receipt. Um, some people are like um, deploying their, um, like I have, I have someone I know who uh, is like a healer, like a Reiki healer, and she wants to offer her Reiki um, healing sessions on Mintbase. Vanda Van Digital, he wants to tokenize his music on Mintbase, which will be launching this weekend. So there are so many uses. Which cases. is starting to become very possible because as of three weeks ago, we just uh, launched our integration with Stripe. So now people who have no idea what the heck uh, cryptocurrency is can purchase the Reiki healing session with a credit card. And we handle this still in a super decentralized way where um, you can connect any wallet you want. We have several, or if you have no idea what the heck that means, then basically we have a Create wallet, which you end up uh, firing up a Fortmatic wallet, which is very Web 2.0. And uh, you basically put in your, your email and your password, same sort of process as you would through Eventbrite or something. But now this wallet doesn't only work for us, it also works for OpenSea, it works on SuperRare, 
and that's kind of that like that spirit of interoperability that we're that we're driving that's awesome and so, so it seems like you guys are not really targeting a specific niche you guys are kind of open for business so to speak like open to whatever the customer wants to wants to do is that kind of fair to say or are you guys really doubling down and trying to focus on ticketing um so we want to make those nfts useful like for us it's really important like it should not just be a collectible but it should give you more maybe it gives you a shoe maybe in a video game um, your character runs faster when you own this nft that's really where we're heading and um, we have some niches we are focusing on like um, like also artists like crypto artists and um, like creatives and photographers definitely yes we cannot really say no to uh, people who come to our platform yeah and to add to the usefulness um, and you said walk me through the whole flow of the ticketing thing so to finish the flow uh, we actually built a physical redeemer where you can redeem these tickets uh, at the location so and we do that by allowing our users to basically store the nft on whatever wallet they want it's any any person today can create their own ticket redeeming system on their own proprietary app the hard part is allowing to use store your nft on the trust wallet gnosis safe on uh, on argent and uh, be able to check those users in so the way we do it is we basically have the user either go into their DAP browser and do a signature through that way and show us the signature. Uh, and we have a funny little cartoon that pops up uh, if that works. Uh, if they have the other ones, if they have uh, something with um, Wallet Connect, basically they connect to the DAP. Um, oh man, it's so deep. It works and it's, it's quite, quite neat. It's uh, far more secure than anything you can get in an airport security check-in system. That's awesome. I really love your guys' focus on letting any sort of wallet, like integrating with any sort of wallet. So you're not telling your customers or users, hey, you guys have to download X wallet or this specific thing. It's kind of, hey, what do you guys use? Like it works, so so don't really worry about it, which I think is really, really important. To be honest, that's the that's the flipping hard part in creating a dApp. If you don't do that, then I, I wouldn't consider your application a dApp at all. You need at least some sort of ability to have a a non-custodial wallet to, to to enter that ring. Definitely agree with that. So you briefly mentioned tokenizing music. I think that that's super, super interesting. Can we dive a little bit deeper into what that is, like what that means? Yeah, sure. What that means. So for us, this is kind of driving the, the beginning of the, the usefulness. So being able to be the owner of the token, having that unlock features. So Basically, we just made this uh, massive switch to Arweave as well, and we could talk about that later down the road. So what does music mean in the NFT space? Well, for the most part, it's all about interoperability, right? If you can play music on one site, then you should be able to pay, play it on OpenSea and everyone else should be able to access that. So that's gonna be just us driving, because like right now OpenSea allows for the OGG file uh, and MP4s and a few others. So we'll be adding those to um, uh, part of the, the meta, meta tag. But we're also gonna be starting to create these unlockable files where users are gonna be able to upload uh, sound files or any files, PDFs uh, to Arweave, which is fascinating. I'm pretty excited about this. They're gonna be creating licenses, uh, let's say like a, a PDF that actually gets locked into Arweave forever that cannot be changed uh, and that file will never die. And that gets uploaded along with the, uh, the MP, MP3. The unlockable feature, that's, uh, that's coming down the line as well. And hopefully that'll come out quite soon where the owner of the token can only uh, hear or use that MP3. All right, so for example, I am a up and coming DJ. I can make like a really cool, I don't know, 30 second clip. And then I can go on to Mintbase and like tokenize that soundbite, like that 30 second soundbite, and then like sell that? Or am I selling the rights to that? Or like, how, how does that work? Uh, that's a brilliant question for uh, Dow Records. Those guys are the ones that are charging it. They just said, Nate, we need to, we need to get MP3s on there. Let's do it. And so that's, that's my job is to just give the tools for people to, uh, to use and do. So I would definitely get Dow Records on here and, and uh, ask yeah. them those questions. But for me, it's that, being able to put licenses permanently into a chain that says the owner of this token can do X, Y, and Z. To me, that's that's quite powerful. And um, I know in China, they're starting to allow uh, content that's been uh, pushed onto IPFS and through Ethereum to actually stand up in court. So it's, uh, 
it's gonna be an exciting time. Yeah, that's so cool. I, I love the idea of baking in all this, um, I guess we'll call it compliance, like all this compliance and like user rights and legal stuff into the token itself. Cause that, that like streamlines so much functionality and so much operational stuff that it makes a huge impact on, uh, on the product. So that's really, really cool. Well, it just gets rid of the BS. Like there's so much BS that just goes out the window. It's like, uh, did you create that contract on the side? Did you create, you know, the DocuSign thing yeah, that anyone I'll, can probably... Oh, we talked about that like uh, yesterday, I think. So um, Nate shipped his motorbike from Los Angeles to Berlin. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I mean to Germany. But uh, the process is horrible. Like he had to give away his documents. We don't know where the motorbike is. We don't know when it's arriving. And you could really like, you know, just like check everything super beautifully on, on the blockchain, right? And even with NFTs, you could even like uh, tokenize it with NFTs. I yeah, think. how epic would it be to have like uh, just transferring an NFT throughout the world? Like the lady who pushes it onto, onto the, uh, uh, the container sends the NFT to the container and then the uh, container gets onto the boat that sends the NFT to the boat and then the <laughs> where's where's my thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's super cool. And I, I hope that, you know, we're heading towards a future like that because you're absolutely right. Like it streamlines so much of all this bullshit and inefficiencies that exist in the system. And if you could just have this token that breezes through all that process, that would be incredible. And that would also just increase like the efficiency of global markets by like, you know, ten X. So that's so yeah. important. It's all about Removing reducing trust. trust. Remove the trust. Like, I don't trust people. <laughs> I don't trust uh, this company where we ship the motorbike with. Oh, my God. Yeah, I don't I trust probably, the, yeah. like, our government that's going crazy over in, you know, whatever's happening right now. I don't want to get too deep. There's just so much untrustfulness going on in the world. And what I do trust is multiple nodes saying that I uploaded this PDF and that is the right PDF that was uploaded by this person. And we can use another company like Threebox to claim the identity of that. That's that's pretty neat. Love that. All right, so around May of this year, May 13th of this year, you tweeted that you had roughly 12,000 users currently. What are your plans to get more users? Uh, we don't really have plans. We're, uh, we're kind of, we're, we're looking at this entire pro So literally it's just us two. I'm the only dev and designer. Uh, Kao is doing a little bit of dev work and uh, a lot of uh, business business dev and we're just every day is like uh, is pretty crazy. We just want to get more and more stuff done. We look at it like whitewater rafting. So we don't have a map, but we're pretty damn skilled in what we what we've got. We know how the water works. Uh, we know how to bounce off. So we can only see around the bend. And we're looking at this as just kind of we've got the skill and we're just gonna go with it. So <laughs> I mean, we do have a direction, obviously, but um, we think it's completely BS. Yeah, with uh, now like companies in our area where you, it's a new technology, it's a new platform. So all those go to market strategy, product market fit, blah blah blah. Yeah, you can uh, write the most beautiful business models but at the end of the day it comes down to the execution and w what we did is okay let's build the um, technology see who uses it and now we are adapting it it's super community driven what we are doing mm -hmm. like if uh, people come up what they recently have a lot like they want us to increase the fire size we try to find a solution maybe we will be like a dropbox or like a shopify solution enabling like people to make money off their data like it's really like we have a direction but we we don't want to like you know bs about you know where are we in five years or ten years we don't know where we are but we, we know, know it's working we yeah. know we have customers we know who we want to target like more or less but we are flexible and i think like yeah there's no other way in in the nft space that's absolutely crazy. I thought you guys were the founders and you had like a team of like five or 10 people. So, so that's incredible. You guys are crushing it. And you're absolutely correct that at this stage in the game, in a technology that, that is this nascent, you have to stay nimble and you got to stay action oriented. And it sounds like you guys are doing exactly that. So that's really, really cool and really inspiring. So Mintbase, it allows users to embed NFTs directly onto your website. Can you tell me why that's important and why do you guys decide to build out that feature? Yeah, we, we built that for NFT NYC. They, they wanted that feature because Eventbrite had it. And so we're like, all right, let's do it. And uh, so that's what made YouTube quite popular, actually, was they, I mean, you can almost look at YouTube as exactly like the process of NFT creations. Video processing is hard. It's still hard, like compressing and doing all the all the stuff. YouTube does that so well. 
So basically think of like going to the YouTube channel, like going to a mint base uh, store or and creating all this complicated stuff, but then being able to pull that out and stick it into your website, that's totally the direction we wanna go. And it's not all about just embedding it into your site. It's about being able to buy things on your site and do all these things because this is where the big mental stretch is for a lot of people. No longer is it us doing the API and opening up certain endpoints. It's the token itself that allows uh, websites to, to do all these things like transfer and buy and burn. You could do all that on anybody's website. You can go into crypto voxels. One day we're gonna convince them to put uh, mint-based NFTs directly mm -hmm. in there and be able to buy buy from within a, a system. And then also being able to embed that market on multiple different websites. Yeah, and also like uh, removing trust. Like, you know, if I'm a customer, I wanna go to a, to a festival or want to buy some art, like I don't trust, you know, this random site, mint-based or whatever, but I do trust like the artist. So I do trust the conference promoter. So if he like, has a shop on his website, which happens to be us, Mintbase, mm -hmm. then yeah, that's cool. That's such a good point. Like the issue of trust, because if I'm someone who has no idea what NFTs are and people are telling me, hey, go to this website, Mintbase, and buy this like ticket to this event, you're kind of like, hey, you know, I don't really know. It's kind of weird. But if you're on the actual website and you kind of trust this company or trust these people, then it's like, it's a no brainer. You're like, oh, okay. It's just like, I'm just buying this ticket and you don't even have to you're not even like thinking about, oh, are these people trustworthy or not? So I think that's a really good use case. And I love the example of YouTube and how YouTube, it got really big from embedding videos onto websites. And so people didn't have to go to YouTube and you know figure out like what this is and what's going on here. It's just, hey, click here and then you can watch a video. And it's kind of what you guys are doing. Click here and buy your ticket or buy your NFT. And, and I think I love that. I think that that's really uh, a really, really great feature. So you guys are using the graph and I've heard so much about the graph. I know it's something to do with like data queries on Ethereum and stuff like that. Could you explain to me what the graph is and how Mintbase uses it? Oh my God, it's so important. It's so flipping important. The graph is what is my sanity. <laughs> Basically, I'm a team of one building all, all this stuff. Before I had these, this crazy CQRS event sourcing bonanza where I had all these services listening to Ethereum to every time someone mints or does something. You So let's say you want to mint something. That process of minting and then letting me know when that mint has been minted seems easy enough because in normal database land, you basically update a database and within a, a, a few milliseconds, it'll just come back. Um, but now we're dealing with like time gaps in blockchain land where I mint a thing and then I don't know, some, sometimes it could take 12 seconds, sometimes it could take you know 12 days depending on the gas situation, depending on what the user did, depending on the wallet. We're dealing with like a lot of stuff. So what the graph does is basically anytime we interact with Ethereum or our users interact with Ethereum, uh, data changes and then spits out into uh, IPFS. So basically the graph is that layer from uh, a reaction uh, to, to Ethereum. So basically I can't update the graph myself. I can't in my website, go and update a thing from our website. So it's never, I'm never talking directly to the graph and updating a thing because that data is there forever on IPFS. But what it is, is you mint uh, with your MetaMask. MetaMask goes to the blockchain, blockchain does some stuff. Once that's completed, then the graph pulls that information and then stores stuff in IPFS. It's a full circle. So basically a team of like five or six could have been just focused on that part alone in my app. And I just leveraged them to, to do it. So as soon as you mint, uh, you're the owner of that thing. It spits it out to the to IPFS. My app listens to that update and then it pulls it in. But the really flipping big thing isn't just for my sanity, it's for other people. Um, so if I'm using the graph 100%, it's completely open to basically show you all the mints, whether they're sold or not sold. Uh, every other developer can do the same. So eventually we're gonna start seeing uh, companies building off of Mintbase that are basically going to use the graph for their own uh, tracking. So if I can just explain this in, in a way that simplifies it in a bit. So it basically makes Ethereum act like a regular database because right now Ethereum is kind of this slow and sometimes confusing database. But with the graph, by utilizing that tech, you're basically just turning into a regular database and there's not a lot of like, guesswork and it basically smooths out all the weirdness of the blockchain. Is that kind of 
right? Right. Uh, kind of. I would not call it a regular database. Uh, regular database says that I can go and update stuff, which I cannot update anything on on the graph. Basically, it's just a it's a a muncher of Ethereum data. It just just every event is just like glock glock glock, and then spits out stuff on IPFS. My app then grabs that IPFS data and then updates on the interface. It's just a beautiful full circle. So yes and no. Okay. So moral of the story is is that it massively simplifies the life of a developer utilizing Ethereum. Precisely. Okay, awesome. Because I've heard so much about it and I don't really know too much about it, but everyone that I've spoken to about the graph, they, they love it. So that's really cool that, that it's so useful. So you guys are building identity on three box. Can you explain what that is? Yeah, it, before I've been in this space for a while, everyone kept talking about identity. I never really understood what the heck that meant. And then created a three box account and was like, all right, that makes sense. It's Pretty simple. Um, you just basically do a signature, just click a button on your wallet that says, I am the owner of this wallet. And then you bind, and then maybe you wanna bind your Twitter account. So you just spit out a tweet, you basically reference the tweet, and then your, your account then now is verified on Twitter. If you have a GitHub account, then you do the same. You do a verifying through that, and then you just keep upping your uh, reputation. So it's really hard to verify someone else's Twitter. Really, really, really hard to fake uh, your GitHub, especially if you've been programming for five, six years, because anybody can see that activity. And so. this identity solution with Threebox is very important for us because, um, you know, like buyers uh, need to be sure that they buy from real artists or from who he really claims to be because there has been like some, uh, some issues in the NFT space about like, um, you know, like scams, like people just selling art, which um, they haven't really created. So that's also like a good problem, uh, a good solution to the problem of um, identity and like verified um, sellers. Yeah, our goal is just to provide users of our platform the tools to figure it out on their own. So we're trying to be as open as possible to, I mean, obviously you can almost game any anything. You can get people's private seed phrases you can get yeah, there's security is never going to be a hundred percent but the more tools we add to the to the platform that help minimize these things the the better that's cool so you're making a system where users on Mintbase they can feel secure with who they're supposedly dealing with because if they're verified using three box and they're like okay this this is probably andrew or this is probably carolyn or whatnot is that kind of the objective yeah i mean if you go into their account and then they click a thing that says and it actually links to their correct twitter account that you know that that's their twitter account then that's probably that person unless that person gave their twitter password to some random person but yeah the 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 path of figuring things out is less uh, blurry so the more connected third-party accounts and that like kind of increases the the probability that that is that person. So if I have my Twitter, my GitHub, my Facebook, my Instagram, whatever, then then it's kind of like, okay, this is most likely this guy because it'd be very, very hard for a hacker to hack uh, all those things or to fake all that stuff. Yep. All right, very cool. So you guys recently released a blog post about Arweave and you guys utilizing Arweave and stuff. I would love to dive deeper into that. Could you explain uh, your decision to go down that route and also what Arweave is? Yeah, the most important thing to me is to me, my big, big thing against IPFS and doing the, the storage on IPFS is the file discovery process. And what that means is when you load your website up and you have you know 15 different NFTs from other people and you have 15 different images that load up uh, and 15 different metadata points, um, it could take seven minutes for each of those points to figure out where that data actually is. So you could hit a, a node and I can say, no, we don't have it here. You can try this other one. It goes to that. It basically says, nope, not here either. And then it'll just keep on going until it finally finds your data. Um, I can't run a website like that. Uh, seven, seven minutes every time you basically load a page, that's, that's painful. Um, not only that, but these files can just disappear. So, and it's not even really new technology. Like um, Napster was around a long time ago and it's kind of the same theory, the peer-to-peer. -peer, I'm gonna store a file on my computer and you're gonna store it on your computer and people can use my computer to, to get that, that file. If no one cares about it anymore and it hasn't been pinged, it just gets removed. So those are the two two big issues. Uh, on IPFS, you can solve both of these problems using central services like Pinata, 
but then now you're back to square one and you're relying on central services to, to do this stuff. Or we could, as Mintbase, run our own node and solve these problems ourselves, uh, but then same problem. Arweave decentralizes that aspect, the pinning and the file discovery. And say they get it down to up to, instead of seven minutes, it's now 200 milliseconds is, is where they, they target. So that's huge for us. Um, the one big drawback for us though is the, the painful part for us is the upload. So it takes anywhere from two to 10 minutes to upload. I don't even know what, what, what do we describe it as? Is it uploading anymore? I don't know. It's, it's moving a file to a thing called a, a, their block weave. It's like a hybrid blockchain and a, um, yeah, and a distributed system. So th their big thing is they ha have this endowment program where basically you pay up front and the money doesn't all go to the miners right away. The money goes to an endowment as well. So that incentivizes other people to store their files on all these other different machines for several years to come. Uh, I'm told somewhere from seven years to very, very uh, many more on that. And so our goal eventually is to kind of pass that along to our users to have them be able to, to pay that later on. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. So I've been hearing a lot about Arweave recently and kind of their objective is to, I guess, provide a blockchain that serves as a, it's just a distributed database for, is it m metadata and like images and files? And um, is it just all types of data or is it kind of, are they focusing on, on certain types of data? Like, let's just say like text or image or wh whatever. Are they focusing on all or kind of uh, narrowing in on a certain niche. They're focusing on a lot of things. I think they even built this uh, little application that does a screen grab that can like show you what your website looks like and it solidifies that forever. Uh, but basically they're a storage provider. So any file type um, and what we're using them for is both the metadata um, with the uh, image URL from the Arweave gateway. So you get both those things. So as of last week, literally if we die tomorrow, any new contracts will just live on. So there, there's your trustless uh, part. And I can go deeper, but our end goal is to eventually allow users on their smart contracts to update their own gateways. So maybe they won't want to use the Arweave gateway because there's going to be several gateways in the future. We're going to run our own gateway eventually. And each gateway kind of gets to pick and choose what they're more interested in, what type of file structures they're interested in. Uh, like we can basically have, uh, from what I'm told, you can even like put on certain filters that says we don't want to host this type of stuff on this gateway and that's what makes our gateway special. <laughs> and this also like uh, changes our business model a little bit. Like think of us like Dropbox. So um, I'm trying to explain it. I'm not a developer, but Nate explained it to me like this. So um, Dropbox, whenever you upload a file, they store it on like Google Cloud or whatever, you know, on Google. But uh, Dropbox um, is like an interface where you can easily upload and manage your data. Um, so it's the same for us, Mintbase. So we provide the interface where people can upload and manage and sell, even monetize their data in the NFTs. But uh, the storage, like it's not stored on Mintbase. We are just the interface. The storage is on the Arweave blockchain. So this is like kind of also a new concept, right? Because it's like a Dropbox. We are like a Dropbox, but we're not storing the data on Mintbase. Uh, yeah, Mintbase is paying the Arweave fees and we're gonna pass that on to our customers uh, either through um, Stripe subscriptions or through NFT top-up cards. Right now we have a 100 megabyte ceiling just to test it out and see how things work. But eventually it'll be kind of the same model of get, a, get one gigabyte of data and That'll just be able to just upload whatever the heck you want. PDFs and sound and whatever. It's just going to live up there. I really enjoy the analogy of the Dropbox because Dropbox themselves, they're storing the data on, you know, these big kind of cloud providers. And that's kind of in the background, a little bit complicated. But then you guys are basically this simple to use interface where people can kind of store their NFT metadata and images and whatnot on Arweave, but you're doing it in a very easy to understand and easy to use way, but which I think is really, really important to get more people to kind of use these services. So that's awesome. And then the uh, ERC721 token is the glue that pulls it all together. That's going to be your auth system uh, to be able to see X, Y, and Z. It's going to be kind of that, that core element that says, here's all the files that belong to this ERC721. And then the store is your overlord directory <laughs> it's overlord. uh <laughs> yeah. we're uh, we're pretty excited about this system it's really cool to see this whole ecosystem kind of evolve and come together and little bits being built out here and there and they're all kind of interconnecting into like the 
a web that we know of today, but in a decentralized fashion or a much more secure fashion. So it's really, really cool to see that evolution because, you know, back in 2017, like none of this, none of this like really existed. And so to see us come this far in this short amount of time is, is really uh, incredible. You mentioned before that you recently allowed multiple NFT mentors. Can you explain what that is and, and why you guys decided to do that? These contracts were deployed. It's the same contract. Every single contract is the same contract we are deploying since November. So the, the feature was always there. Our interface just didn't accommodate for it. So we also have a bunch of other functions in these contracts, you know, the store foundation um, that we aren't even utilizing yet. But physically, people could have added mentors whenever they wanted, but our interface would have been like, no, we're not going to show these things. So why we're adding that? I think it's going to open the door for a lot of things. Um, Unitize, they requested this process of uh, adding multiple sponsors to the store to be able to give out the NFTs on their own. Um, so that's just going to be one one shot and also collaboration is big i mean i think literally you can almost create your own news agency out of mint base it's gonna get interesting very cool well it sounds like the uh nft mentor the multiple nft mentors idea is really really cool especially for collaboration because um there are a ton of people that especially artists that like that like to collaborate on certain works so it sounds like you're just simplifying that process immensely so that's a, that's a huge step forward as well well if you so think about it you're literally deploying your own I love super rare to death. I love all those guys, but that's what you're doing. You're deploying your own super rare, your own nun origin, your own nifty gateway. So you, you can let those people decide, okay, I'm the owner of this contract. What else can I do? I mean, and I don't want to support this too much because we don't get the money from it, but <laughs> you can build your own. Everyone's talking about royalties, royalties, royalties. Like you can literally build and deploy a, a, a mint based store and create your own buy mechanism and run your own royalties uh, system uh, off of our stores. So we are encouraging people to look at this as a solid foundation, and then you can go ahead and write little smart contracts on the side that do whatever you want to do. It's really cool. It seems like you guys are just basically allowing like full customizability and being like, hey guys, we built all these cool things for you. You guys do whatever you want with them. Yep. You guys are currently in Germany, but you guys are incorporated in the United States. I saw a tweet earlier, uh, maybe I think it was earlier this month, where you guys mentioned that you guys were gonna move to a different city. What was the decision to move to a different city like? And also, why did you guys decide to incorporate in the United States? All right, so um, why did we incorporate in the United States? So um, it comes down to fundraising, I think. Um, so we are looking for, um, yeah, for VCs, uh, yeah. we do our fundraising, and I think that's the best uh, structure to have like a C Corp uh, in Delaware is the easiest way or like the best way um, to raise funds. Yeah. Uh, so that was the decision why we incorporated. And I mean, Nate is from the US. And, and Carla did a ton yeah. of research. She looked Yeah, I looked like into, okay, shall we incorporate maybe in Estonia because it's like a super digital like um, country or in Germany, but it's so complicated, so much paperwork. Like it just didn't make any sense. We even looked at Liechtenstein, Luxembourg, uh, Gibraltar, but it's super dodgy. Like, you know, companies in Gibraltar or in uh, Malta, they are um, they don't have the best reputation because it's a little bit uh, dodgy over there. So Delaware is easy. I've done it before. Uh, everyone's like, why don't you tokenize it? I'm like, come on, man. Like, we yeah. got to focus on our company. I don't need the SEC yelling at me for stuff. Like, yeah. we're we're just gonna do everything as as uh, as simple, straightforward as possible, and uh, yeah. go from there. And also, why? Uh, so we are in Berlin right now, currently, but we are moving to Lisbon in the next few months. Um, the decision why we are moving to Lisbon is um, surf. <laughs> oh, no, there's no. really good surf there. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> no, but uh, it's like a super great um, European city um, to like, yeah, to look for good talent. So uh, like, it seems like all of my friends are moving to Lisbon. Um, like it's becoming like a digital nomad place. Uh, many yeah. developers like uh, Google, um, Uber, um, Volkswagen, VW, like all those like big mm. companies have their digital headquarter in in Lisbon, so... And yeah. if you take a million bucks to New York or San Francisco, you're going to burn through that like a son of a gun. We're going to... We've basically built the company to where we are at, probably with less than $60,000. So we can stretch that that round like no other in Lisbon. We we know the people who would join us. We know the engineering team we'd want there. And it's uh, it's it's the spot to do it. 
That's awesome. Yeah, and it's really interesting because I've spoken with a lot of people in the crypto or NFT scene that actually are, you know, they're from whatever, whatever country, but they're actually based in Lisbon. So I, I think that that's a trend that we're seeing, which is really, really interesting because, you know, before crypto and NFTs, I, I had no idea that Lisbon was like a digital nomad place or anything like that. So it's, it's really cool to see that become like a, a hotspot for this type of activity. Yeah, yeah. you should join as well. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm currently in Chicago. I mean, with with all the events going on right now, I would love to love to get away to Lisbon, but uh, I think I gotta stick here for a little bit. So, you, have you guys raised VC yet, or or not quite yet? And how has that process been so far? If uh, if you guys have raised or kind of gone through that process to raise? Yeah, we uh, as you know, it takes a lot of time just to start getting those meetings. Kyle was the the champion of that set up like all all the best meetings in the world and we were just kicking it off in uh, san francisco we in march. in march and right when we got to san francisco all these sweet meetings lined up literally the world collapsed and uh they shut down san francisco and so we just basically said we're gonna refocus focus on our product and then like uh, go back in july or in june yep. but we actually have two commitments um from one uh, group in, in yep. Asia and one in Europe, so yeah. Yep. That's awesome. So yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's not awesome that you guys had everything lined up, but it's awesome that you guys already have those two commitments. But um, yeah, no, that, that timing is just totally unfortunate because you guys, I know you guys are building something really, really special here and to have all these meetings lined up and then just for you know this like act of God to just kind of destroy that, definitely not ideal, but um, it does seem like we're opening up, You know, we're in the process of opening up now, so. Uh, I'm sure you guys will uh, will be able to get a lot more interest quickly. Yeah, our burn rate is like non-existent, so we're we can do this for quite a long time. So not not in any massive rush, but yeah, I I would like some help. <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah. All right. So, do you guys have any thoughts on the metaverse and the metaverse being a virtual environment that people live, work, and play in? Yeah, I mean, we were one of the champions in the beginning. We did a. Um, uh, an NFT advent calendar. Are you familiar with that? For those that aren't. Uh, so an advent calendar is like a calendar like uh, from the 1st to the 24th of December. So just before Christmas, kids are super impatient. So they get like a little calendar and um, every like day they open a door and it's numbered and then uh, they get a little bit of chocolate just to like, uh, you know, shorten the wait until Christmas. And uh, we did the same with uh, non-fungible tokens in our like um, virtual headquarter and crypto boxes. So every day, like um, some company like OpenSea or Gnosis or uh, my crypto heroes, they gave NFT away and people had to like um, figure, yeah, out, how figure to out how it. to find it. So, so we, we're, we're yeah. super bullish in it. Um, we're starting to do some events with Decentraland as well. Um, just, I mean, that's it. That's the space, like being yeah. able to. And that's the future as well. Like uh, our thoughts on the metaverse is definitely like uh, now that um, like everyone is working remotely and we are more at home and, uh, you know, like it's really like many meetups are happening in virtual worlds. And in the future, you can just like go through crypto voxels. You see a nice shopping dress, you put it on your avatar and then you can click it and then you buy the NFT at the same time. It triggers something that sends you the dress. Up. Yeah, go to a yeah. pizza shop, you know, you go into a thing and wherever your location is, you type in, you know, Spain, whatever, and you go into a nice crypto voxel Decentraland pizza shop and you see all the pizzas available in that location. You select your one and then you get young man or woman to come deliver it. Maybe definitely. not young, probably old. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's definitely very cool to see, especially the NFT space kind of emerge into this like mini metaverse. And because we're, you know, we have these platforms like Decentraland or crypto voxels, and they're kind of serving as like these social hubs for all this NFT activity where people can go and like chat about all things related to NFTs. And I think that that's really, really cool. And we're seeing this emergence uh, right now of a metaverse. So it's really, really exciting times. I want to ask you guys about crypto art because I know that Mintbase obviously uh, ticketing and it's really very big in crypto art. What are your guys' general views on crypto art? Like, do you think that it is going to kind of continue to be this niche and it's going to be a niche off of the traditional art market for years to come? Or do you think that we'll see crypto art emerge as like this, you know, kind of the next uh, wave of like arts? Like will digital art and specifically crypto art be the next like art movement? Uh, yeah, I think artists are the most badass humans to experiment with something brand new. I say this a lot that I don't have, like my site was constantly breaking for the last 
10 months. Like, I don't know how people even used it for 10 months straight. It was just bugs and things and I don't know. People somehow fought through it, deployed stores and minted stuff and traded things and bought things. And I'm just like, wow, <laughs> it was uh, it was pretty cool to see. So the, just having that group just sort of uh, run with it and figure it out. I think eventually the artists might, I mean, they're, they, they like pushing things, right? That's why they're in this space to begin with. I think they're going to get bored of the items sitting in their wallet and doing that quite soon because we've already gotten past the what is this now we're getting into that okay what else can we do with it so my guess is you're going to start seeing the artist space pushing the bounds of like okay that's done like conlon he's doing the whole uh, async art stuff where people are able to combine the art process i think that that's what we're going to see i think the whole like oh here's an image here's a gif uh no, but also like we talked to a photographer who's also like an artist right and um so where i think this is all headed like with crypto artists um they are probably um gonna like pack a physical not even physical product but uh, just imagine you have like um, the nft and then the nft of this crypto art piece also gives you access to a larger file download or you can um, you know put it on your screen or yeah. you have like a special like um, you know uh, crypto art um, screens where you can stream it and like Spotify but for crypto art and then like with um, special like um, screens which have the same color code that is required like those kind of things I guess that is what is going to happen. Or stuff that we have no clue. Like yeah. we just have to provide the tools, let people go nuts with whatever it is. Like this multi-minter store thing. Like I'm kind of curious to see where that's going to go. Yeah, um, if any artist is hearing that, like we would love to do like a collaboration with like uh, something like beautiful screen where you can like put your crypto art piece or uh, reach out to us. Physical <laughs> stuff. And, or yeah. physical stuff, you know, like we are up for experimentation. You guys are absolutely correct. The first step was kind of tokenizing artwork. And that, that was just, you know, purely digital piece of art that was static, that was on a blockchain. And that was kind of a big step forward. But then pretty quickly, we started moving towards like GIFs and now videos. And now, you you know, you guys are going to do music soon. So just like there's just like really rapid pace of innovation that is really hard to get in other industries. All right. So what is your grand, grand, you know, five, 10 year vision for Mintbase? Uh, I think like we will become something like a Dropbox and a Shopify. So we will like uh, allow people to monetize their... Uh, their data, their art, their um, services, their products, and that is where I think we are headed. Yeah, uh, as much as I don't want to promote Facebook too much in these times, uh, we watched The Social Network recently, and I really related to the beginning where he's like, well, how should we monetize this? How should we? And he's like, I have no idea what the heck we built. We have to like figure that out first. I think we're in that space where it's just kind of, we built something useful, and now we have to figure out and we want As to be goes. we want to be honest with that as well. I know mm -hmm. like traditional VCs are asking like, okay, what is the market size? What is your uh, five-year revenue projections? Uh, like we can't we can't say that you know. Like mm -hmm. we try our best and we like uh, we make money a little bit. Yeah, so everyone's five-year projections just got thrown yes, in the trash yeah, uh, during maybe. this pandemic. I yeah. think <laughs> you have to adapt. Business like, models uh, are yeah. If it doesn't work, then go somewhere where people need you and where mm -hmm. you can make some money. So I mean, a general direction is always good, but at the same time, you have to stay flexible. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy like the the honest take because I, a lot of people will give these kind of projections that. They're not really like founded in anything. They're just kind of just guessing like, oh yeah, our five-year projections are blah, blah, blah. And it's like really like, we have no idea. And I also really love the honesty around, hey, um, we're onto something big. We don't quite know exactly what it is yet, but this is definitely going to be a massive, massive space. So, you know, come on for the ride, so to speak. All right, let's jump into the closing questions. All right, let's go with uh, Carolyn first. What is your single favorite NFT that you own? Um, I got like a piece of art from Sparrow from blackbox.art. It's super colorful and um, it was exhibited in our um, CryptoVoxes headquarter and it was there for like a few months. And I told her one day like, wow, this is so beautiful. And then she asked me for my ETH address and she sent it to me. So uh, that's one of my favorite uh, pieces I own in, in the wallet. Uh, mine's going to be my crypto voxel two parcel land for mint base headquarters. I just, I, that project is so neat. Just in the fact that 
just showing off the usefulness of, of a non-fungible token. And not only single use of being able to build on it, but also putting the NFTs and art around the area. It just, I love things that kind of showcase where the vision's going and, uh, and that's probably my. And Andrew, for you, what is your favorite NFT yeah. you own? I would like to know that too. Oh man, well, uh, yeah, so I always have to tread carefully because you never want to, you know, hurt anyone's feelings, but I would have to say, yeah, I'm really, really big into CryptoVoxels. So I would just say owning any sort of parcel within CryptoVoxels, I just think is a, is a great idea because it's really, it's kind of like the social network for NFTs in my mind. And I really love the idea of having a platform that is user owned and by owning a single parcel within CryptoVoxels, it's like a, a user-owned platform where um, you're directly incentivized for the platform to grow because you will pr probably, most likely, the land value will increase. I think that that's a super, super powerful um, uh, feature of NFTs and these NFT platforms that we haven't really uh, explored too deeply yet, but I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to that. Nice. Uh, one other NFT that's quite powerful that I own is um, our Stripe Alpha NFT. Well, we have two. We have um, the moderator token, which allows uh, a few artists to and curators to remove uh, items from, from the list. But the other one is a Stripe token that if you're the owner of the token, you can start testing out the uh, our Stripe integration. So it's pretty automated. So if you own multiple stores, uh, you can enable any store for Stripe, uh, which means we onboard those users just like we onboard, um, uh, just Uber like drivers. Uber drivers get onboarded, where they do the know your customer process, but once they're in the system, then uh, buyers can just get it with a regular credit card quite easy. Sounds super interesting. So wait, so the Stripe, the availability to use Stripe on Mintbase is via an NFT token. And if, if that person has the NFT, they can, they can just use Stripe like how they normally would, or how does that... How does it work? Yeah, so it, uh, you basically do a quick signature. It uh, unlocks the ability to go to our portal. And we can't go too deep into it, but <laughs> basically it, if you have the token, then you can be onboarded through through our system. Yeah, if you want to try it out and you're selling something, we could also send you one just like, uh, yeah, let yeah. us know after, after this talk. That's so cool. All right, what is something that you'd like to see happen or something that you think needs to happen to the crypto ecosystem. Uh, crypto or NFT ecosystem? They're interchangeable kinda, so let's just do uh, let's just do NFT because you guys are focused on that. So uh, I don't know if you've seen any of my, my tweets, but I'd like there to be a little bit of a, a shift of, or at least an understanding that building on central exchanges is a, is a terrible idea. And that I think needs to change. And I think we're starting to kind of see why it's a bad idea in a bunch of different pieces of light. Um, because it says on some, yeah. When yeah. people say it's sold out this piece and there are only two available, but it's actually a centralized exchange. How do you know that they're not lying? Like blockchain and NFTs are about removing trust. Yeah, it just and this is like completely missing the point. If you cannot see how many items were out there, how many were sold, there's no point. And yeah, we, we can go on about that, but we can do a whole podcast on, on central exchanges. I think now we're just at a point where there's so many you utilities out there that it's it's not a needed thing oh that's really interesting that's definitely a hot take because i know there are some people in our ecosystem that uh that are pro centralized exchanges uh for nfts you bring up a really good point about how it's not really it's not as trustworthy obviously as a, as a decentralized exchange so no that, that'd be a really good conversation to have one day all right what are the main barriers to adoption in the nft space um, I bet the main barrier is that uh, people like are not familiar with ETH or with crypto or with blockchain wallets and I feel like um, we with our Stripe um, like fiat integration like remove that barrier because when people can buy NFTs with credit cards then like there's no reason why my parents cannot buy an NFT or something like that so um, and also the main barrier is that it's not easy to grasp it's very abstract but if you have a ticket if you have a shoe if you have you know a gym membership and you buy it and you don't even realize it's an nft but you just buy it then i think that's that's really when we break down the barriers yeah i definitely think that the initial initial hurdles of acquiring eth and getting a wallet and kind of learning that whole process is a is a massive massive barrier and for you guys to integrate stripe which you know everyone a lot or most people know and buying and selling with a simple credit card. I think that that's a huge step forward. All right, last question. Where do you guys see the world of NFTs in three years? I think it will become normal to um, buy 
something like a physical product, like a shoe or a t-shirt, and then at the same time you get an NFT with it, which you can trade, but then at the end, like um, you redeem it, like you put it, like you go through the checkout system of that company and then it gets delivered to you. So I think like uh, NFTs will be a normal, will play a normal part of our lives, but people don't even realize, they don't even know the word NFT. It's like so common and so like normal to just have a like digital receipt. Yeah, I, I all of that I agree with. And also starting to move into maybe other chains. Right now Ethereum is still king uh, and I've been watching a lot of other chains uh, rise and fail very quickly for you know foundational issues. But yeah, potentially in the next three years, we're gonna start seeing other, like we are using another blockchain, our weave to like just do decentralized storage. So what I also wanna start doing is checking people in, not using our central system. So we use the NFT as the auth for layer one, but I'm checking people in on a central database. Maybe I just uh, move. Checking people in. You yeah, mean? checking people in at a conference. At a conference. So maybe I start using Matic uh, or Near or something like that to just do that, handle the check-in process. So I think we're going to start seeing the ecosystem starting to just go in different directions that way. I love that. All right, Nate and Carolyn, this has been absolutely awesome. Thank you so much for you know taking the time to chat with me. And uh, it's so cool to hear all about Mint Base and, and you guys are just absolutely crushing it. You guys are a two-man team just going forward and building so much stuff and so many features. I think it's, it's really, really inspiring to, to hear about your story and to hear really deeply about the Mint Base platform. But if people want to you know, find out more about Mint Base or maybe mint some stuff and maybe contact you or yeah, Nate or Carolyn, where should they go and what should they do? Telegram. Telegram yeah, is Telegram. Telegram or Discord. If you have problems and something breaks, go to Discord. Uh, if you want to just say how awesome things are, then do that in <laughs> Telegram. <laughs> or Twitter, I think. Yeah, Twitter. We're, we're pretty dang approachable. Um, we're always in there every day. Awesome. So so for the Telegram and Discord, is that just you like Google Mint-based Telegram or Mint-based Discord? Yeah, uh, uh, Mint-based Telegram, yep. Uh, or you just go to mintbase.io and then you'll see the All the social links, links uh, yeah, at the bottom. Yep. Twitter is Mint-based. Simple. Can't believe I grabbed that one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, guys, thank you so much for coming on and you're going to definitely have to come back on again in the future and give me an update on all things Mint-based. Cool. Thank you so much. That was really interesting. Thanks. Hey everyone, stay tuned for more episodes of the Zima Red podcast and subscribe to the Zima Red newsletter for more info on all things NFTs. Thanks so much for listening.